Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Welcome to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. We're back with another show packed with Villa chat, looking at the ups and downs on the pitch. And we might also just touch on a few off-field things, including the John Terry situation, amongst amongst other things. My name's Andy, and uh, Regan, the boss, has left me steering the ship again today. And I'm absolutely delight- delighted to be uh, reunited with an old friend for the podcast, um, everyone's favourite stateside villain. Uh, sorry, Mr Tom Hanks, but it's Mark Jarobi. It's great to have you back on, son. Yeah, what's going on, Andy? Good to hear from you, my friend. It was good to, good to chat with you before the pod as well. Yeah, it was just absolute happenstance, man. I was able to, you know, I got the day off and in between running around and, you know, you, you always get that one day out of the week. You got to do all the, the, the unkind adult stuff in your life. So this is the one day where I, I get a little bit of both. I get to do my running around and I get to sit down and talk about the villa. This is pretty awesome. Yeah, well, there's, uh, there's nothing better to do on your day off, really. I think having a good old chat about uh, about our club and it's still it's still reasonable times. As I say, there have been a few um, a few ups and downs Results-wise, um, we weren't here last week, um, unfortunately, so we've probably missed a couple of games in terms of um, real in-depth discussion. Um, and you know, we'll focus on the Brighton game probably a little bit more um, as we go through. But um, obviously, before that, we did we did miss the the defeat to West Ham, uh, which was quite disappointing, and also followed it up with a with a really impressive win at home at home to Arsenal. Uh, to secure the, the the double over over the North London club, I think for the first time since 1993, I think that was the last time we we did that. Um, and it's a big game, obviously for for our goalkeeper, the ex Arsenal goalkeeper Emmy Martinez, who kept a clean sheet at one end, and the goal scorer, self confessed Arsenal fan, Ollie Watkins at the other end, who who you know obviously scored the winning goal in the third minute. It feels like um, these two summer signings are just becoming more and more invaluable to to, to Villa with every passing week, um, at either end of the field. How important do you think you know these two are, be- are becoming um, to the overall makeup of, of, of the Villa team? I, I think they're absolutely massive in the way Villa plays and especially how Dean Smith wants to put his team out there. I mean, we're just talking about Martinez just for a second, you know, 12 clean sheets and 22 matches for him. And by comparison, me and Andy talked about this before we started recording, but Aston Villa had 15 clean sheets in the entire 2009-2010 Premier League season, and we ended up finishing sixth. There's a lot of games left. There's a lot of time for Martinez to continue to do his thing, continue to be that voice back there. You know, even, you know, games like we saw against Brighton, we'll get into that, where the team in front of him is not playing well and he's going to have to stand up. And, you know, that's all right. But I'm really excited to see Martinez, you know, play for Villa for the foreseeable future. He's athletic. 
demands his area really well. Peers communicate well with his teammates. Um, he definitely cares about his teammates as well. That's a massive thing. We've seen it from the interviews after games that he's just really, really caring. And it seems like he, he knows that this has to be a team effort, everybody pulling in the same direction. But he seems like a guy that, you know, waited a very long time to get an opportunity, and he's finally taken that opportunity. And it's kind of the same with Ollie Watkins, you know, showing us exactly what, what we liked last season. And even though he can be on an island sometimes, I feel like he still can fashion chances and ask questions of the opposition's work rate a little bit. But, I mean, a lot of people talk about Watkins because he's scoring goals, and obviously that's what you need as a footballing side is to score goals. But it's other stuff for me as well. You know, he's pressing the defense really well. You know, he does have the ten goals in twenty-two games, but it's it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a knock on him if you're not talking about how he presses defenses and you know the ball getting hoofed up to him and he's trying to fashion something. He makes he just makes the opposition center backs just have to think all the time and. You know, either that or he he forces the opposition to pass out of the back and maybe even into a poor area of the pitch. So I don't know. For me, I think they're massive, even though it's opposite ends of the of the pitch and opposite ends of how how Villa you know line up. I I just think it's so massive. I mean, are, are you on the same page? Do you think that you know? Walk, I mean, think about this team without Watkins or Martinez. It would it would be absolutely a totally different season. No, absolutely. And I think you you hit the nail on the head when you say that these are positions that weren't well covered last season. Um, you know, Wesley obviously did his best um, until he got injured. But you know, I mean, we we we'll, we'll probably talk about Martinez. Um, you know, with the with the Brighton game. But Ollie Watkins for me, when he when he signed, I thought his the main thing will be his pace. I, I thought finally we've got we've got a goal scorer, but we've got a, a guy that can run in behind and and stretch defenses with his pace, and he can do that. But I totally. Um, misjudged the strength the guy has. He's a really, really combative number nine um, player. He's so strong. He he really holds that ball up, and you know it, it's such a great outlet, particularly when you you've got a game where you're not playing so well, like we were uh, against Brighton. You know to be able to to use Ollie Watkins in that way. You know, and he can get on the turn, and he can he he can then sort of run at the defence and push the defence back, and and bring other players into play. And I just think, I just can't imagine how the team would function without him. I mean, we we do have a few players who you could say that about, but I just feel that he provides so much space, but also really good um, sort of quick ball for for. For other players as well to to you know more perhaps the more creative players to to really kind of get get hold of the game and you know I, I did feel a little bit sorry for him against Brighton because I felt like he you know he deserved more out of that game than than he got than he was a, a allowed from the from the other creative players around him but. I mean, I'm I'm just a huge fan, and I just feel like I appreciate him more and more every every week because I I see something different from him, um, which is you know fantastic to see. You know, I, I'm sure I'm sure you you're, you're you're picking up on that as well. 
Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, because like, like I just said, you're seeing it all kind of different ways. It's just the way he presses center backs, even when he's out, he doesn't have possession. And it does seem sometimes like when you look, even in like the way that the cameras focus, it looks like he's sometimes the only Aston Villa player within you know ten, fifteen, sometimes even twenty yards of the defense. But he's constantly either rushing at him or he's putting himself in a position to maybe spring something on the on the counter attack. And he's just a very well-rounded, very smart footballer. Aston Villa are, are definitely very, very fortunate to have a player like this. Not only just how he plays, but his age as well is big. He seems very happy here. He's always smiling on the pitch, you know. But you're right. One of the things that surprised me was his strength. You know, he's able to hold up the ball a little bit. And I'm not saying he's, you know, he's the size of Wesley and he's going to be able to just hold off people like they're, you know, children, you know, and then then pass the ball off, which, you know, I believe Wesley could have the ability to do. But with Ollie Watkins, it's just, I mean, you, and either which way you want to do it. If you want to lump the ball off from the back and over the top with some pace, you want to have even the thing that's that's really interesting to me is he's getting better with getting pushed out wide. It, it for I guess you would say in, in the beginning of him being an Aston Villa player, it seemed like he got a little frustrated or didn't exactly know what to do, and he get pushes out. He gets pushed out wide. Now it's seeming like he's looking for Jack or he's looking for Trey or he's looking for Ross Barkley as an outlet. Like, yeah, bring, bring two two defenders towards me. I'm going to pull someone out of position, and I'm going to look for that player that you're no longer covering or marking. So I just think that it's really interesting to see him. I, I do think he's an absolutely fabulous talent for Aston Villa. And it's just that that desire he has to score goals i think you can you can tell can't you when you when you have a um you know a, a goal scorer i think tammy was the same where he you just know that's all he's on his mind is is scoring goals when when the ball gets into a certain area and you can see the runs he makes it's so intuitive and so clever um I mean, we used to we, we always used to talk about the, the 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 great runs that Scott Hogan used to make, but they weren't great runs; they were just runs, <laughs> you know. These, yeah, they, they, they were just they were just runs when it came to Scotty. He was just he was just trying to find a ball at that point. Yeah, yeah, but 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 Ollie Watkins is making actual intelligent runs with the the player whoever's got the ball in mind. You know, he he knows what 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 Grealish can do and what Barkley can do, and he's he's making those runs accordingly and. Yeah, I, I, I just I, one thing I, I'm really missing, and I'm sure a lot of Villa fans feel the same is is being able to watch this team in the stadium, um, because you there's a, you undoubtedly see an awful lot more, um, and, and certainly from an attacking player you, on the, on the telly you only really get to see the attacking players or the striker when they when they're actually in the fr- in the when the ball's around them you know because that's 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 the the bit you can see on the telly but um I'd love to be able to watch Ollie Watkins you know from from the sta- from the stand and, and and just to just to really appreciate his movement and and the work he gets through fully really because um yeah I, I mean it might be a pipe dream at the moment but I'm really hoping that soon we can we can do that but I mean obviously moving on to the the, the Brighton match um, I don't know about you, but it felt like a little bit of a wake-up call for everyone. It was it was almost uh, okay. We're not quite good enough to to just turn up and and and, and beat teams and, and roll teams over. We have to actually kind of earn the right to, to 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 win these games, even against you know teams that are below us in the league and, and perhaps aren't as 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 um, potent as as we've been. Um, we were second best pretty much all over the field, apart from. Apart from the goalkeeper who pulled out another superhuman display to keep Brighton out, um, <laughs> you know there were also some you know really good displays. I think from Mings and Target at the back, um, 
I thought Target was a little bit unlucky um, that the the forward players just weren't on it. You know, he was trying to make make some things happen down the left. I felt and just Jack Grealish and 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 Barkley ahead of him were just not not on the not on the ball at all um, during the game. But I mean, you know, t- t- talk to me about the game. Um, what went what went wrong here, or and where were, where were Villa lacking? Did you, did you feel? I think all around it was just a really weird, strange hiccup game. It just seemed like like Villa had like one of those games where nothing was really going right for him. Um, players that you would usually see make uh, to them it would be an average everyday first touch. It was it seemed like they couldn't get a decent first touch on the ball. It seemed like a string of passes was was asking for a billion dollars. It just it, it was just absolutely crazy to me to see this. Um, but it does happen, you know. We, we we all know that you'll have your high days, you'll have your low days. You know, fo- football is no different than what everyday life is. But um, you know, the, the players probably I would think know that they didn't that they didn't have a great game. We saw that from some of the tweets afterwards. But you know, Brighton definitely had their chances to take all three points at a couple different stages of this game they they pinned villa in their own in their own third of the pitch for i mean it was for it it felt like most of the game if i'm being honest i'm not i'm not trying to not you know get down on the villa too much but it, it, it definitely was a little shocking at some time to see brighton with sustained pressure and sustained possession but you know v- villa only made 281 accurate passes and that's 76 percent success rate that's the least amount since the 1-0 win against southampton at the end of january so it just wasn't a good game all around brighton definitely held, held a license of some sort to shoot the ball um, villa were getting their blocks but brighton definitely had a lot of shots but like you said, man, Martinez just came out and he just decided to post bail for the rest of his teammates on the day, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. he, made, he made almost two handfuls of saves. You know, he made nine saves throughout the game. And I think Brighton had something, I don't have it in front of me, but 26 shots or something like that. That's, you know, ridiculous. But, um, you know, it's it left a lot to be desired. Dean Smith knew it as well. I think after the match, he said, "I'm not happy. I take no pleasure in the performance, but you know, I'll I'll take the point." You know, there's there's other even statistics that that make this seem like it's such a hiccupy, weird game. Um, Bertrand Traore, he's been in great form. He seems like he's really coming on on his own. But if you deep, it's not even really like deep digging into the stats. They're they're out there to find. But he only made 12 accurate passes in 66 minutes of football. That's not Traore. That's not the Traore we know. That's you know when his first couple of games we weren't really. Didn't know what he did well. Didn't know what he didn't do very well. But 12, 12 passes in 66 minutes of football as an attacking player in, in the Premier League, that's not going to cut it. And as much as he's, he's all our favorite, you know, Mr. Jack Grealish, he only had 53 touches on the ball. That's the least amount he's had since the 3-0 win against Arsenal. And, you know, we even won 3-0 against Arsenal, but he only had 49 touches on the ball. So it was kind of by committee in that game. But, you know, you you everyone knows how good Jack Grealish is, and everybody knows you got to get him on the ball. And, you know, for me, 53 touches is just just not enough so I, I think it was just one of those ones you tear it down you build it back up against Leicester because they're they're not going to be a cakewalk either Andy no absolutely and and uh you know it's it's interesting sort of when you you go through some of those some of those stats and obviously from from my perspective I'm I'm, I'm not good with the old maths but um just from the eye test you see that you know Grealish in particular, just looked 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 off the ball completely. He wasn't um, his usual self, and he's a, he's he's a human being. He's allowed he's allowed off days, and 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 to be honest, we we perhaps got away with it a little bit. But you know, there seems to be. I think certainly since the West Ham game, where undoubtedly West Ham and David Moyes came up with a a way to contain Jack Grealish that was very successful, and and you wonder whether. 
you know, of course, coaches are going to work on these blueprints, aren't they, to to, to stop, um, you know, outstanding players like like Grealish from from ripping their team to bits. That that's that's what they're there to do, isn't it? And um, certainly, Moyes managed it, and and I think Potter um, also just just by just by doubling up and and perhaps shutting off the supply line a little bit to Jack. Um, you know, it, it, it seemed quite simple, but you know, I, I, I do think great players also. Um, the reason they're great players is because they find ways around that. So when they are kind of coached out of the game a little bit, they they respond in the way by you know by by um, you know altering things a, a little bit and, and working with the coaches to to kind of counteract that again, so they can they can have the influence on the game. And I'm sure. You know, in the next couple of weeks, we'll 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 see that from from Grealish, um, Grealish again, and um, it was just one of those, like you say, uh, you know, a a bit of an anomaly kind of display where you don't expect to see almost a just that that little bit of a lack of desire from from the Villa team, which whether they've had good games or bad games this season, there's always been the desire there. Um, but that was just lacking from a few of the players. I felt. Um, I don't know if you, that's something you you perhaps picked up as well. Oh no, I, I agree with that. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not very sure that Ross Barkley is 100. percent You know, and I'm sure John McGinn's still trying to get acclimated to the fact that he doesn't have to, or he's being told not to go forward as much. I mean, there's still there's still growing pains involved here. You know, you're it's it's got it's it's definitely different from on a team you know, team basis. You know, talking about an opposition, and you know, we've seen Jack Grealish get doubled up before. You know, we've seen literally like we've seen really good offensive wingers or you know wide men on the pitch to where it almost looks like they're told, Hey, you're not getting forward today. You're looking at Jack Grealish all day long. I I want you, I I want you literally, I want you by him all the time, you know, and that's basically doubling up your fullbacks at that point. If you're just marking one person out of the game, but Villa's going to have to get a little, it's going to be interesting to see how they start to like really try to take care of that issue of being like, how do we get Jack involved whenever he's getting phased out of games? It's not new. We've been seeing this happen to Jack Grealish since he's, since he's been a part of the senior team, even before that, you know, I've, I've talked to literal supporters from Knott's County that said that once, people realized how good he was even back then they started putting you know additional players on him to try him mark him out of a game so not only is he used to it but i think that it's something now that in the premier league he has matured obviously his skills have gotten better since then obviously it's it's going to have to be something where he he's, he's able to find his other teammates and this is what we all talk about with the quality of teammates that aston villa are bringing in for jack Grealish and for the club you know he's going to have to know that when he gets doubled and sometimes tripled up in the wide areas when we're in our own final third of the pitch that he, he's able to escape that or he's able to find a player you know he's going to need some help out there so you know he can do it on his own some games but other games he's going to need some help but man that that game against brighton i just i just don't know man it looked it looked like they were all they all eat like really spicy chili or something like before i don't know i got it like the run the runs were off the overlaps weren't there um you know it seemed like communication was off they were they were content with just sitting back you know and, and then you know we did manage a point and we're very lucky to get a point but on the back of that you know maddie cash having an injury 
I guess it's supposed to be a hamstring issue or something like that. I'm hoping that he's okay. It's no knock on any of the guys we have in depth or anything, but man, it's I, it kind of kind of reminded me just then about how I, I kind of wish we had Freddie Gilbert back. But I know your feelings on Mr. <laughs> Frederick Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I certainly wouldn't necessarily subscribe to that. I mean, but but this this is the issue when you when you're balancing a squad, isn't it? Um, you never know when you're going to get an injury or or something like that, but. You know, I, 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 I don't think Gilbert would be would be the answer to to anything really, other than a man to to put in a position. Um, I don't think he. Yeah, he, I, he, I don't. I don't either. I think. Yeah. I think it would have been Elmo regardless. Yeah. I think if Gilbert was still here, he would have found himself on the bench, and Elmo would have definitely started this game against the Foxes. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's okay when you see um, almost you, you see a player like Cash. Hopefully, it's just a. You know, a minor kind of hamstring tweak, and he'll be back in a couple of weeks. But when you've got a guy like Elmo there, who can who can come on and and hold the fort, but also has a has a little bit of quality and a little bit of know how himself. You know, he'll be he'll be well up to speed with the um, you know the the, the, the tactics and the the patterns of play. Um, and I have no issue with 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 Elmo stepping in um, for the next couple of games if if necessary. Um, I, I don't think I'd have quite felt like that about Gilbert, but you know, no, sometimes I, you have to I, um, <laughs> go on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you, and I think Elmo coming in is actually not not a bad thing. I mean, El Mohamedy's probably been throwing crosses into the box on a football pitch since before Matty Cash was even an infant, you know. And if you if, like, and it's it's not an ageist thing; it's just saying like I I like the fact that maybe Elmo can you know come into this game or even the next couple games depending on how the injury is. And you know, we we've seen it, man. He on his day he can cross a ball, and if he can find you know a, a late running. Ross Barkley, he can find Ollie Watkins at the back stick. Even like how he gets on with Bertrand Troyes in front of him, you know, a, a more a more tricky player in front of him. You know, who, who knows, man? I, I I think that Elmo is going to step in and do a good job. I'm not going to say he's going to, you know, be amazing, but I, I think that's a pretty good feeling when you lose your starting right back. I mean, I was going to sort of um, talk a little bit about the, the changes, but I just I just want to pick up on, um, you know, you mentioned. Uh, a few minutes ago, you mentioned Ross Barkley there. Now it just—it does seem with Ross that he's just going through um, a real dip in form at the moment. And I think when he first came back into the side um, after the COVID break, after his injury, um, you know, there, there was perhaps a, a you know a little bit of an excuse almost. He was he wasn't quite up to speed. Um, and he did look off the pace, and you kind of think, well, he's probably not done a lot of training, um, you know, and he hasn't—he's obviously hasn't played with the team, you know, for a long time. So he needs—he needs a few games to get back on it, and then his form kind of went a little bit up and down. And obviously, he scored the winner against Southampton, which was, you know, fantastic for us. Um, but he then hasn't really kicked on from there, and I, th- I felt that. Um, the Brighton game was probably his worst, you know, and 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 that was another excuse that they said he he'd just been playing matches and recovering. There was no training involved really um, for for Barkley during that 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 very intense period in January. So after the week's training, I kind of thought, well, maybe we'll see a bit a bit of a a more switched on Ross Barkley. But I thought it was probably the worst game he's had for us, and I just wondered, you know. 
you know, what do you, what do you make of the Ross Barkley situation? And do you see him kind of perhaps stepping out on, perhaps being on the bench for a few games? And maybe we sort of promote the interests of of Sanson, who we've signed permanently, and and obviously um, Jacob Ramsey as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping, I'm really hoping in my heart that Barkley is able to kick into form. Um, I think this this upcoming game against Leicester, it's going to be a massive game for him one way or the other. I do think he's going to get the start. Um, you know, it, it's up to him how how he's going to take take that chance. Um, I, I'd like to think maybe he's trying to get back in the full fitness a little bit with this latest hamstring issue. But I mean, hamstrings are so different, unique problem for all kind of different individual athletes. But, you know, he's starting to have these underwhelming personal performances, and that, that can drag any footballer into the mud, really. And I don't know, Ross has been here before, and I'm hoping he comes out the other side of it and into some kind of form, not only for just the club, but also for himself and his footballing future. I think he's a really nice, genuine bloke, but, you know, that, that performance against Brighton wasn't going to cut it. You know, I, I had, when I first started watching football years and years ago, I had an older gentleman tell me, and I was talking to him about all kinds of things about the game. He said, Mark, it, it's not... It's not a jogging game. It's a running game. You have to run. You have to run, and you got to run hard. Um, I haven't seen that from Ross Barkley. I sure as hell didn't see it against Brighton. Um, he was jogging around the pitch a little bit too much for my liking, and I don't know if that – again, I don't know if it's the hamstring injury. I don't know if he's getting down on himself. You know, I don't know if he's looking over his shoulder knowing that Morgan Sansom's brought in. And, you know, at some point in time, Dino's going to want a 90 minutes out of Morgan Sansom, and, and, and Ross is on loan. He's on loan. He needs to understand that this this is way. You know, this isn't just like oh, I'm gonna. There's there's serious interest that Villamit want to sign him, but he's got to show. You know, he's got to show the club, and he's got to show Dino. It, hey man, if if you want it, we're, we'll go in for you as long as the price is right. But if you're not showing anything and you're injured and you can't kick back on from your injury, you know what's what's the point of us spending that money for you? And I mean, I don't know. I think maybe Sansom might be one of those players. It might have been a preemptive move from the club to be like, we don't like what we're seeing in Ross. You know, we have him, we have the agreement in place, but you know, it just it just wasn't working out for one reason or another. But I mean, yeah, I I hope he kicks on. I, I really really do. Uh, but I I don't know. He's he's got to stop the jogging around. His passing percentage has got to get higher it's just it's it's so crazy to think like the the winner that he that the, or the goals that he's scored you know they're quality goals you know but it's it seems like he's he's just not running enough for me and it's just the eye test i don't have any fancy stats on pressures or anything like that to give but i don't know do, do you think that do you think he's kind of starting to lose his luster a little bit if he's actually going to be a main fixture because some some of the price you know that's that's been out there it, it seems like it's absolutely wild for how he's playing recently well I think I think he's putting a lot of pressure on himself I actually when I watch him I see I see someone who is almost carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders I think he really really wants um, to take and make the most of this opportunity because um, you don't really see him going up from here if this if this loan doesn't work out for him you know where does he go from here where does he where does he end up um you know he's he's always been a bit of an in and out sort of player and one of the one of the reasons you pick a player like barkley and you might persist with a player like barkley is when he is on form he's unplayable um in a similar way to to jack grealish but it's how do you get that form out of him how do you how do you get him to click into gear and for things the things that he tries to to come off and to pay off you know, I think other players. I mean, you look at players like obviously like McGinn and and Grealish are talented players, 
but when they're not when things aren't working for them they're still putting in a, a six out of ten a seven out of ten but Grealish um sorry Barkley for me things aren't working out for him he's he's, he's a three and a four you know he's really almost a liability um but the, on the other side of it, when he does play, when he does click into gear, and he might, the, the thing is, you can you can leave a player like like Barkley out, and Smith would be perfectly justified in doing that. But in the back of Smith's mind, you know, Sunday might be his day, and then you've left him out, and he's you haven't seen that, so it's it's a really tricky thing. He is an elite player, and he he is extremely talented, and he's 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 able to win to win football matches for you. You know, and it's when you have a player like that at Villa. It's not like we're we've got we have got some really good players, but we're not blessed with those top, real top end players just yet. And, and Barkley is someone that we managed to bring to the club. Who, you know, we, the sort of player we haven't been able to sign for decades. So it's it's a, it's a really tricky one. Um, I mean, I would love to just see him. See him click into gear, and him and Grealish be producing those early season performances again. But I just can't. I just don't see where it's coming from at the moment, and that's the that's the challenge for for Smith and the and and the coaches, isn't it? To you know to to get that out of him, I suppose. Yeah, I I agree with you. And l- like, listen, I'm a big fan of Ross Bar. I've been a fan of Barkley. You know, I've said it on previous podcasts I've been on, and I've written about it. I I do like his footballing ability. It's just, you know, again, I don't I don't know if it's the pressure that's getting to him. Like you said, he kind of looks like he's walking around with the, the weight of a world on him. I don't know, man. I think he would be a wonderful addition. I mean, but at the same time, like Chelsea's gone through changes. You know that they have Tuchel at the at the helm now, and, and you know there's there's players, some players for Chelsea that were you know mainstays under Lampard that are no longer mainstays you know under Thomas Tuchel so I don't I don't know like you know you have players they just spent a lot of money on like Hakeem Ziyech you know he's he's sitting on the bench you know Mason Mount's been in and out um you know so like I I don't know like does he have a legitimate shot of going back to Chelsea and challenging for a place under this new coach what if the new coach doesn't want him you know what if the new coach is like hey just get me x amount for him and I'll go you know buy somebody else if you guys need me to or maybe he's just there's so there's so many things to think about when it comes to that you know so with 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 Ross I, I just I just hope I hope he gets in the form because I think that if he gets in the form and he, he puts his head down he really works hard for it um I think him and Jack can have a like you said like the early season part partnership where it almost seemed like like voodoo automatic weird kind of partnership <laughs> chemistry you know what i mean yeah. it just it just seemed like it, there was some other otherworldly thing going on and i mean we, we all saw it i'm not trying to blow smoke or blow it up for what it was they looked really really good together when they were both on the same page in the same book in the same library so you know now now it's up to ross to walk back into the library yeah absolutely i i i, I get that and i think it's just it's just how do you do that? And I think when 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 you have a a firing Ross Barkley, it's not then possible for, or it's not so possible for for West Ham to come and double up on Jack Grealish, because you know you can't leave Barkley alone. So you you know it, it does make it very very difficult for for teams to to focus solely on on Grealish. Whereas if if you know if Barkley's not firing, then then you just stop Grealish, and you've you've cut out probably seventy five percent of our threat. So it's um it's 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 a tricky one, and it's one that that Dean Smith really has to come up with a, a solution for, and that'll either be 
you know, using Barkley perhaps from the bench for a few games, and moving perhaps moving Jack into the into the number ten role, or um, or there'll be another way of of of, of tactic, tactically of getting the best out of Ross Barkley. But I mean, you know that this is this is one sort of situation really. I mean, there's been a lot of talk. You know, amongst the Villa fan base about about making changes to the team, both between games and in game as well. You know, using substitutes and using some of these these fringe players um, who have you know guys like Nakamba, Trezeguet, um, and and El Ghazi have come in at various times and and done a good job, um, but they, it just feels. Um, you know, there there is certainly a a, a loyalty um, towards certain certain individuals within the squad, um, particularly you know people like perhaps Ross Barkley and and John McGinn as well. Um, when they're not playing well, there doesn't seem to be much kind of traction in the idea of changing them and rotating them around a, a little bit. And uh, you know, I'm just wondering. You know what, what? What do you think about that? Um, when you see players, particularly like El Ghazi, kind of getting dropped for for, for no real reason, um, but then you see there's there is do you, do you see this sort of this loyalty towards certain personnel being a bit of a weakness for for Smith, or do you think there's there's quite often good reasons for sticking with players who might be a little bit out of form? I just I get the feeling kind of that a little bit at least I, I get the feeling that Dean Smith is he, he's not the kind of guy to look a gift horse in the mouth um, as the saying goes so I, th- I think he just he wants to continue to pick players that got him to this point already I think he's just, I don't think it's a thing of like letting players out specifically I think a lot of it has to do with hey you know this is by and large been working and I'm going to continue to go at it unless I have to change it through an injury or suspension or things like that. I do think that El Ghazi deserves a chance. I, I think the last time that he was on the pitch, though, didn't he get subbed off like right after halftime? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Half time, yeah. yeah. But, but, right, but that, that's okay. Like everybody has underwhelming performances sometimes. That, you know, that's cool. El Ghazi doesn't play a lot. So, you know, that, that's definitely going to happen. The likelihood of that is going to happen even more. But I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if. My, my big thing with Dean Smith is I don't I don't like the time of when he's making substitutions. It seems like it's really late in the day, or it's kind of just obvious that hey man, you might want to make a sub. It's not really working out there. Um, so for me, that's my problem with with the substitutions. If he has a nailed on eleven, and you know, especially as a former player, maybe that was something that he just likes to do, or if that's just you know something about his how he runs things as a manager. Um, I do think there's a bit of favoritism played. I don't think that he wants Jack Grealish to have another picture of him pouting in the dugout. Um, you know, same thing with Ross. Ross doesn't look great whenever you drag him off, but that's who I'd be looking to sub off more than anyone. If it's the 60th minute, if Ross Barkley's not got doesn't have anything going on, throw Jacob Ramsey there. You know, they're, they're, they're switch things up. Put Jack there. You know, throw on something. Switch some things up a little bit. I would like to see that a little bit more. As far as like a starting note on eleven, though, I 
it's my opinion that Dean Smith definitely has that. I don't think it's favoritism. I don't think it's this guy trained better than this guy. I think, hey, this is working for me. I'm okay with the way we look under this 11, and this is just the one I'm going to throw out there. But, I mean, I don't, like we just talked about with the Barkley thing, man, we can we can come around to this Leicester game coming up, and if Ross Barkley can find himself on the bench, we don't know. You know, we, we just don't know. Does that fire him up? Does it get him d- deeper in the dumps? But, I mean, w- what are you thinking about it? Do you think it's a weakness, or do you think that, you know, he has some, some decent reasons for keeping this 11 together? I think I think there are good reasons. Um, I mean, the first good reason is that obviously, you know, we, we're not really in a position at the moment to, to question Smith too much because he's not done an awful lot wrong um, during his two and a bit years. Um, if you consider where we were when he when he when he took over, so um, I kind of defer to his judgment. And of course, um, you know, he works with the players during the week he knows he knows where they're at in terms of their their fitness and their sharpness and and their mentality um and i just think the the issue is i think when 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 we see players um who do come in and they seem to take their chance like like al ghazi i mean al ghazi is the classic example you know out in the cold no opportunity seemingly out of the club and then he gets his chance Sticks away a penalty and he goes on a run of goal scoring, um, which he's he's never done before. And you think, yeah, we we might be onto something here with with this lad. Finally, he's he's fulfilling that potential that we know he has. And then all of a sudden, he's out of the team, and there's no real reason. If 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 someone like El Ghazi was coming into the side to replace Ross Barkley, and he's not doing it, he's just not. He's just not. Um, Taking his opportunities, or he's missing chances, and, and all sorts. Then you drop him as soon as Barkley's fit again. But he he he. That's not been the case. He he did have a really good December, and he, I think he was named. He was nominated player for player of the month, wasn't he? And you know that that's no mean feat in this league. So I think when you see that, you think, well, what's what's the issue there? What's why? Why isn't the team be just being allowed to evolve? Why is it just springing back to the usual, the usual players all the time? Um, but I just think it comes down to, you know, the perceived quality, um, maybe some of the statistical analysis that goes on. Um, you know, although, you know, El Ghazi, I've said, you know, did score a few goals. He also missed an awful lot of chances, didn't he, in that time? So. You know, maybe that comes into it a little bit, but um, I, I I don't know. There's 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 sometimes there's a frustration there when you see, for example, if the same team plays on on Sunday than that played at Brighton, you sort of think, well, what have they, what have that, has that team done to actually actually earn that? You know, to, to there's certain players, and I put McGinn in that category. I, John McGinn's my favourite player, um, but he's not been playing well enough for me to to keep his place uh, there's a reason why you would yeah, continue I, I, I agree no 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 I, I agree with you and it that, you know and that's a tough thing to say because we we all like some of these players you know we have we have good memory of these play, memories of these players in, in the not so distant past you know we we, we remember Al Ghazi for the things he've done we remember John McGinn albeit you know I'm I'm defending John McGinn like crazy these days because people want him to get like much more forward and I just don't think Dino wants him going very forward I think he's kind of being 
not forced, he's being asked to play a different role than what he's played previously. Um, I think he wants him to kind of be a little bit of a Tasmanian devil in that midfield. And for, you know, he does that sometimes, but other times, like, again, like, it's it's the most recent game, but it still feels so unfair to use that as a benchmark. But, like, he wasn't passing the ball very well at all against Brighton. You know, so if he is going to be that man in the midfield with with uh, Louise, you know, he's he's kind of got to earn that. And, you know, yeah, he's earned it as an Aston Villa player for this club for what he's done, you know, as he's been here. But, you know, there's there's nothing to say that Jacob Ramsey might have changed the balance of that game if he gets on the field at 55 or 60 minutes. For me, that there's just nothing that says that that's not that's not worth the the risk with how, you know, bad you're playing. Get those, you know, younger legs out there, maybe someone with a little bit more you know, flair. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer would have been against Brighton, you know, at the, but I agree with what you're saying. The 11, you know, if you're not doing well, you need, you know, sometimes it's, it's better to drop them. I don't know. Like, like I said, we don't, what, what comes up to Leicester, we could see Ross Barkley on the bench. We could see Doug, Douglas Louise back out. We could see Marvelous Nakama get rotated back in. You know, he, he had a really good game the last time he played. Um, and I and I've always been critical of, of, of Marvelous, you know, and I, it's, you know, it's nothing personal. It's, it's, it, literally just my opinion of like I want him to be really really good but I just don't see enough of him to know what he does really really well um he proved me wrong in his last game and I love to see that I I love to be you know somewhat you know critical about players and then prove me wrong so you know I don't know we we might get some rotation against uh, against Leicester if if that um if that performance against Brighton really left a bad taste in Dean Smith's mouth yeah I think I think you might be right I think certainly obviously there'll there'll be possibly one enforced change but um I think you might be right there. I think there might be a couple of players because um, you can only when you sign a new player as well. You know they've signed Morgan Sanson, and um, when you sign a new player, it's it's very hard to just keep on not picking them. You want to pick them, don't you? I think any manager wants to pick pick his new signings and you know and see how they do. So you know there's certainly I think more. I think Sanson probably um, threatens McGinn's position perhaps more than than Barkley's position um, so it'll be really interesting to see how they line up against Leicester um, at the weekend um, but just kind of moving away f- away from the field slightly uh, to the touchline um, you know since the last podcast um, there's been a few rumblings um, in the Villa dressing room um, about John Terry and he's been heavily linked with the manager's job at Bournemouth um, this is the second time this season that JT has been close to a move away, we're led to believe. Um, he was also in line for the, the job at Derby County before Wayne Rooney took that job on full-time. Um, to me, it just seems natural that Terry will will move on at some point and, and take a number one position. Um, you know, But do you think he's, he should be a bit concerned that he's kind of falling short for these you know, seemingly kind of plum jobs that he's been linked with. Um, do you think he's, he's, the past is haunting him, the the issues, um, whether it's the, the, the racism issues for his, from his past or, or other issues that have, have perhaps affected his, his profile um, going forward? Um, or do you think he's just, at the moment, he's just quite quite content to, to do his job at Villa and, and continue his learning? I have a really strange feeling that some of these teams that he's been linked with, and there haven't been too, too many. It's not like it's like people are falling over each other to show interest in John Terry. But it, it seems to me like it, 
the interest might be one way. It might be towards John Terry, like, hey, we, we, we want to talk to you, we might want, want to bring you in. Um, I do think John Terry will move on from Aston Villa at some point. I think that's pretty obvious to say. I just think it has to be the right job for him at the right time. Um, I don't think he's the type of coach to abandon Villa or pretty much any team in the middle of a season. I just don't – the personality's not there for me. I think if he starts a job, he, he kind of wants to finish a job. Um, and I think finishing a job for John Terry as an assistant coach at Aston Villa would be for this team to finish in European places because um, you can put that on a CV. You know, and that it would make him look like, hey, he had he had to have some kind of influence there, and then he kind of gets a much uh, a, a lot more different places that he could go and coach if his heart's in it. Um, I'm not really sure. I'm I'm not sure if if Ter- Terry wants to stay at Villa. I mean, that's that's not outside of the realm of possibility either. Of John Terry being like, hey, no, I really enjoyed here. I like working with Dean. I like you know working with Richard O'Kelly and Neil Cutler and the lads. And you know, we're we're really trying to build something here. I'd like to be a part of it. That that's not crazy to think, but I do think at some point in time he he's going to want to see if he can do it on his own. So I don't know. I think it would be a loss to Villa to lose a person or a coach and a person and a leader and you know one of the Premier League legends in John Terry. I don't know if it has much to do with his previous previous uh, you know things he's had he's done personally. Um, it might. I, I just I don't. I think I think John Terry knows that he still is learning and adapting and understanding things. Um, and you know it's it's really up to him. I, th- I think it has to all do with what the opportunity is. I think a lot of it has to do with the ownership of those teams. Um, if they're headed in the right direction or they're not, it's crazy time for everybody. Obviously, if he's going to jump ship from Villa, he's going to need to have s- certain assurances that he's going to bring in players that maybe he's had an eye on or bring in certain people to help him, you know, along the way. So I don't know. I, it sounds crazy, but I, I, I just wish that John Terry would come out with an interview and just say like what his like three to five year plan is. So we can, we can just know exactly. Exactly what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I think I think at some point he's going to be offered a job that he's he's not going to be able to refuse. Um, but I think there's this this idea, and I, I mean, obviously, I've, I've no idea what 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 goes through John Terry's innermost thoughts and what his ambitions are, really. But some some people are just better in the job of a, an assistant manager or a head coach or I mean a like an assistant first team coach or or something like that not every even great players have to have to go and become managers now I think I think John Terry's ultimate goal will be to to manage Chelsea and that just seems logical and that just seems like the the way forward now I think it's going to be a little while because Frank Lampard obviously took that opportunity and, and went there. I do think it's going to be quite a while before that that opportunity comes round to John Terry. Um, simply because I think um, it, that's not their usual way to to appoint ex players and, and people that you know um, they they like to go for ready made coaches. So. That might be a little way off for him, and I think in the meantime, it's about keeping himself relevant and taking jobs that um, that he can be successful at. So, taking the derby job, it's it's an absolute basket case there at the moment. So, you know, they're in between ownerships and all sorts. It's 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 a nightmare. So you either take that on, and it, if it works out, then great. But if it doesn't, you failed at your first job. When are you getting another job? Um, and I think that's what he's 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 quite mindful of. If I if I'm 
if I was John Terry, that's what I'd be thinking. You know, I need to make sure this works out because I'm never going to get that Chelsea job just by taking the first job that comes along. Um, particularly as yeah, I, you know, I, I, I I agree. I I, I agree, and I, I I just think it's a waiting game for him. I think he's learning, and I didn't mean to disrespect Mr. Craig Shakespeare. I'm just still getting <laughs> used to the fact that we have somebody with that that much footballing knowledge at Aston Villa. It's still to me the signing of the season. It, it uh, we've we've just we've come leaps and bounds, and everything we've come leaps and bounds in it literally fits the makeup of what Craig Shakespeare likes to do when he is a coach at a footballing club. So, yeah, but I agree with you, Andy. I don't I don't know what the hell the guy's gonna do. I don't have a clue. I just I just don't think that a team comes in that maybe just sacked their coach and he's like, you know what? It sounds like a great idea to, to go to this team. I just I don't I don't see it. I don't think he I don't he just doesn't seem like the type to me. If he starts a job, he wants to finish it. And you know, I I do think though finishing would be for him at Aston Villa would be getting into a European place and then maybe even the season of playing in Europe just to see what happens, whether it be Europa, whether it be Champions League. I mean, man, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about Villa and Champions League or Europe in the same. I better, I better, I better calm down. It's been a few episodes, guys. I apologize. I, th- I think, I think you're right. I, th- I think the other thing with John Terry, I think, and I'm going to use the word loyalty, and people are going to laugh because. Because of his perhaps his private life um, will will spring to mind, but certainly in his football career, you know there aren't many more sort of loyal individuals um, in terms of to their clubs, are there? Um, and even when he came to Villa, um, he was he was absolutely committed and, and and loyal to the point where he came back. He effectively retired and came back as a as a coach the following season. So. You know, I think he doesn't just kind of flit around, um, sort of on a whim. I think it has to be the right thing for him. Um, I don't think it was an easy thing for him to join Villa um, from Chelsea because of the, that loyalty thing in the back of his mind. But obviously, at the time, we were in a different division, and he he didn't really have to. Um, you know, it didn't affect his that loyalty in in in, in many ways. Um, and I just wonder whether that's part of it. It's that kind of thing where, like, Aston Villa have given me this chance. So to get me out of here, it's going to have to be, you know, a, re- a real proper opportunity. And uh, maybe he just doesn't feel... Or he's just not been offered that. You know, we, we were led to believe he was in the running for the Bournemouth job. Maybe he wasn't, you know. It's um, it's an interesting one, but I'm sure it'll develop. And, and maybe there'll be some movement on in, in the summer, which would seem like a more logical time for him to move on if he is going to, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I think another thing with you know, talk about the loyalty with John Terry, like we've, we've, we've had as Aston Villa supporters some John Terry moments. You know what I mean? Like he helped us get to a playoff final. He then, be, you know, and, and during, during that season, if my memory serves me correctly, I can't remember, was it Chuck and Doy maybe that, that had his hand around John Terry's throat? Yeah. And John Terry, <laughs> you know what I mean? So you have that that happens. You have the shouting match between Marcelo Bielsa that happens on the sidelines. <laughs> you know, you that have that happen. And now, like, most recently, the thing that just pops to mind immediately is him celebrating us scoring a goal against Arsenal because obviously it's Arsenal. He's not going to have, there's no love loss there. So like, I, I don't know. I think John Terry, he may have just found, and this happens sometimes in sports. I've seen it happen to where you have someone who does have a talented coaching ability and they just happen to find their place. They, he just might just be 
very, very happy being an assistant coach at Aston Villa for the time being. He's not in a rush to go anywhere. Let's just see where this takes me. You know, he doesn't seem the guy that likes, I mean, he played for Chelsea and he played two seasons for Aston Villa. It's, it's, it's not like the man likes a, a, a change of scenery. You know what I mean? We, we, we know that from his past. It's, it's not, he's, he's content being, in, being where, where he's at most of the time, you know, by, by what history tells us. So, I mean, I, I, got, I got no problems with John. He can stay here as long as he wants. Yeah, I, I, I totally echo that. I think he's a real, a real asset to the club. And, you know, it may be that if he's there long enough, he may get the opportunity um, to replace Dean Smith at some point. Um, hopefully not for a long time, but um, certainly that might be something that's on the cards. And that might have been something that even was on the cards, you know, around this time last year. We we, we don't know really, do we? So, um, you know, but things are going going well, I think, or well enough for Dean Smith at the moment to, to not have to think too much about, about that. Um, I mean... Next up for Villa, we have touched on it a little bit, but it's uh, Leicester City at home on Sunday. Um, Villa beat Leicester with a late Ross Barkley uh, rocket, if I remember rightly, in the reverse fixture. Um, and I think both teams have had sort of mixed fortunes, really, going into this one. Um, I think Le- uh, Leeds pretty much dismantled Leicester a couple of weeks ago, but uh, sort of they've, they've picked up again of late and obviously Villa have been kind of win one lose one draw one um for the last few weeks um what what do you make of um of Leicester what 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 do you think that might be their main their main threats um when they come to Villa Park on on Sunday this is going to be a little bit different um as far as like the Leicester city that we may have seen earlier on in the season to what we're seeing now I mean me personally I like watching Leicester city games I, I think they they play really well and I think it comes down to players like Harvey Barnes Wilfred and Didi, James Madison Jamie Vardy these these are slowly becoming like names you just you know you know these are talented football players and especially if they're all on the same page and they have the determination they're gonna be a formidable foe for anybody um, but there's definitely good reasons why the foxes are third on the Premier League table they have 46 points I believe Villa are 10 points behind um, you know, they suffered, a, Leicester rather, suffered a really rocky road back in late November. Um, but since then, they've been a really decent side as far as, you know, the, the results have shown. Um, they've only lost two games since December 6th in all competitions. Um, there's a lot of dramatic points along the way, you know, late late winners coming back from, you know, a couple goal down deficits. But they're playing really well, uh, even with that, you know, the Leeds thing. But, I mean, you don't know what Leeds are getting on a day, you know, on a match-to-match basis anyways. But um, their last five, I think, was three wins and a draw. Um, so they're, they're going to really, really try to push to stay in that top four conversation as long as they're able to. Um, and also, the thing about playing Leicester this time around instead of last time, um, Soyanku, Amarte, Vardy, and Didi, and Pereira were all unavailable through injury back when we played them in October and, and you know ended up winning the three points. All five of those players were in the most recent game against Liverpool for the Foxes, and they won that one three one. Even though it was an Allison, you know, mess up again, and you know we all seen it, we all laughed at it, but you know it's still a win, still three points on the day. I'm just hoping. I'm hoping Villa's much, much better than Brighton. I hope Dean Smith was able to find something in these guys. Be like, listen, throw that away. We're not even gonna. We're not even gonna watch film. I don't want you guys creating any bad habits, <laughs> anything like that. We're just gonna go forward with it. But I think Leicester's gonna be a lot tougher than people think, man. I don't think they're. 
It's just, I don't think they're a rollover side. I think they have a lot of good players, and you're going to see it. Wilford indeed is going to be all over Jack Grealish for this game because he, he wasn't available last time. And Jack's even said himself he's one of the tougher midfielders that he comes across in this league. Yeah, absolutely. They've, and I think the, the, the job that Brendan Rodgers has done, um, you know, obviously they had a, a, a good side to a point when he took over and um, it was kind of the remnants I suppose of the, the, the title winning team but he's he's established them as a as a as a top six club um, over the last two seasons and and you know it just shows that what a, what a, what an excellent coach he is really um, obviously he can be a, a little bit of a parody of himself at times but I think it doesn't take away it doesn't detract from from what an excellent coach um Rogers is, and he's um, he's got a really good a really good set of players there, like you say at uh, a Leicester, and and you know it's obvious to say, but obviously when you've got a, a striker like Vardy, you just can't switch off for a second. Um, so Mings and Concer are going to have to be really be on their game um, because you know if he gets in. Even even Martinez, it might be too much for Martinez. So and he's he's he's, he's took took Villa apart, you know, twice last season. Um, uh, Jamie Vardy. So you know that's a, that's a that's a worry um, for me. And like you say, they're not in third position for no reason. Um, so it's a good chance for us to kind of claw back towards them, maybe. Um, but we're going to have to, like you say, be a, an awful lot better than we were. Um, you know, last time out, more more towards the Arsenal performance, I think. Um, and Solis is a rock at the back, I would say. Um, so, what, I mean, in terms of in terms of where how Villa perhaps approached approached the game, and we may have just touched on this a little bit, but you know, what what do you think you know needs to improve, and uh, any any team changes that, that that you'd suggest for this one? I don't know necessarily team changes on on my end. I, I think that Dean's going to pretty like we just talked about maybe Nakamba and for Louise just to try to change things up a little bit. Um, but I, I, I'm th- I think I'm thinking Barkley still stays. Uh, I think Traore still stays even though he was underwhelming against Brighton. But this this is this is what's crazy to me. I keep thinking about this game and I keep looking at some of Leicester's uh, defensive stats. Um, do you remember the Rotherham goal, the Jack Grealish Rotherham goal yeah. when we were down to ten men? Absolutely. Now. <laughs> Okay, so like that—that's that's one of those goals where like most Aston Villa fans, that's like burnt into their heads, right? Like mine included. So I'm thinking with Jack Grealish now, we're seeing it over the past three or four games now. Teams are really taking that David Moyes, how do you phase Jack Grealish out of a game playbook? And it seems like that's been like emailed around to every team in the Premier League. Now, if you remember the beginning of that Rotherham goal, Jack Grealish is like the very, very beginning of that clip. He's he has like three or four players around him on that left hand side of the pitch before he you know makes the one two and then. Drives, drives toward the net. Um, if Villa can find a way to kind of use that goal as like a blueprint on how to get Jack Grealish out of being, you know, marked by two or sometimes even three players, that little one-two just to get him out of it, you know, so he makes the pass and then starts running, get, receives the pass. I think that's kind of like going to low-key be the key to unlock how you stop teams from 
doing that to Jack Grealish because we all know he's our best player. We all know that, that a lot flows through that, but I would like to see something like that kind of start to be instilled with Dean Smith. And it seems like, you know, talking crazy tactics stuff, but that, that like actually, it, it would, it would actually work. We see other teams do that. Chelsea does that a lot. Uh, Manchester city does that a lot when people put a lot of pressure on, on Phil Foden, even um, because people know how good he is. He's natural talent and kind of newer age footballer, a lot, a lot of tricks, a lot of stuff. So um, yeah, I'm thinking if, if we can find a way to, to get Jack to rid the shackles of, of what teams are doing to him in, in the last couple of weeks, then um, I definitely think Villa can surprise a few people and, and pull something out of the bag here against Leicester. Yeah, I was even wondering whether, you know, depending on the Ross Barkley situation, whether there's a case for moving moving Jack a little bit more central um, and bringing El Ghazi back in on the left-hand side where he, he had all that success um, before Christmas and I, I, you know, maybe that's a, an option for Dean Smith in this one, and you. I suppose you run the risk of, like we say, Ndidi just being able to um, to sit on him then. But uh, I think he's far more um, difficult to manage when he's floating around the midfield um, and the number ten position, rather than yeah. rather than just. Yeah, I, stuck I agree. On the yeah, and we've uh, we we've gotten to the point now where. Um, you know, we're seeing Dean Smith even like, I don't think he's just doing it on his own. I think he's instructed to do it, but he's moving from the left flank to the right flank. You know, he's cutting in. He maybe sometimes, you know, cuts outside and tries to get to the byline a little bit more. Um, so yeah, like they're trying, they're trying to, you know, get Jack Grealish out of these shackles. Like I said, like out of this David Moyes playbook that seems to, you know, it all landed on Premier League manager's desk at, at, on the same morning. And that's what it seems like. It's, it's literally, it's the same exact things that are happening. It's, it's not like they're revolutionizing the game. You know, you just basically tell your winger hey you're not getting forward today and when you do pick your spots and make sure you can you know you can get back to to try and hack this guy down or you know try, try to mark him tightly if you can so yeah i don't know man they're, they're gonna have to do something because that that it, it sounds so so harsh but the, the brighton game to me with how good we've been this season for a large majority of the time that brighton game is unacceptable and that's not going to cut it against leicester no, no absolutely so so I mean, it's been uh, it's been great to have you back on today, Mark, and uh, really missed missed having you on the podcast um, the last few weeks. But um, we need to end, uh, unfortunately, and um, as we usually do, um, we'll end with a quick quick score prediction for Sunday. Um, so, score and scorers for this match. I've got a silly one. I'm going one-one draw. Bertrand Traore, the scorer, with his right foot. How's that for a little little comedic value? <laughs> right, right foot no, absolutely. absolutely, there's been a, a couple of them already, hasn't there? But uh, yeah, they don't they don't come about too often. Um, yeah, I, I mean that would be a, a great result. I, I just feel like I feel like we're going to do something. I feel like we're going to get the win, um, and I'm going to go two one to Villa, and I'm going to say um, Watkins for, to get both of them. Oh, I'd absolutely love that. A double. I'd love to a see Watkins get a brace against you know third in the league and you know just how hard he works. That, that's the thing. Like we're all seeing that he works so hard that whenever he does score, it feels like it's our own personal achievement. Like I, I, yeah. I love it. Like we're just everyone's so behind Ollie, man. I'm so happy about it. No, absolutely. And touching back on what we were saying before, it would just be um, it'd be really good to be to be able to get to to Villa Park towards the end of the season, hopefully. You know, it's a, it feels like a long way off, but hopefully we'd be able to do that, and you know, and 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 give the players a really good, 
um, sense of how we feel about this team at the moment because they've 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 really entertained us this season from our sofas and you know Ollie Watkins is part of that and he's certainly a player that I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing play live when when I get the chance so um, yeah I mean like I say it's been it's been excellent talking to you today and uh, thanks for coming back on and hopefully. Um, it won't be too long before you're back on again with us, and uh, it's, uh, it's 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 been great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, it's all about the schedule, man. I'm I'm so damn busy these days, and I, I apologize. I never actually got to say anything on the podcast about it. I, I just put it on my Twitter, but uh, yeah, just just crazy days. A lot of a lot of hours doing a lot of different stuff, but I, I, anytime I get the time, man, I'm definitely gonna pop back on. You know, this this is like my baby. I've been you know with under gaslit lamp longer than most relationships I've been in my life. So <laughs> it's one of those things where I, I always listen to you guys, always care about you. But I, I'll I'll definitely be back when I can for sure, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. And let's say it's it's your it's your podcast, really. So I feel a bit strange hosting it. No, no, um, no, no, and no. Having you on as a guest. No, 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 no. no. You, you, you guys are doing. <laughs> but it's been great. Yeah, you guys are doing a wonderful <laughs> job, man. Just keep at it. Yeah, cheer, cheers, Mark, and, and thanks everyone for listening today. Um, as we always say, there's 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 a raft of um, great writing going on at underagaslitlamp.com. Um, just go and check it out. It covers obviously the first team, but but there's a lot of stuff going on with the under twenty threes, particularly now the the games are are being televised on the website, which is which is great news. And also the the Villa women's team, and there's a monthly um, podcast um, with uh, Regan and Georgia. Um, which is which is great great to listen to. It's it's really insightful stuff, and for people like me who 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 perhaps haven't followed the women's game all that much, it's it's a really good insight into what's happening at, at Aston Villa at the moment. So uh, so let, please please go and check that out, and and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as usual. Um, hopefully we'll be back next week for for another instalment after a, a, a cracking win hopefully at, at Leicester um, but until then take care stay safe and up the villa <laughs> <laughs>